Is there an impossibility before you today? Pastor Ed Taylor reminds us, take it to Jesus. Give me what you have. That's the word of the Lord to some today. He's calling out to you and says, give me what you have. Give me what little obedience you have. Give me what little oil you have. Give me what little bread you have. Bring it to me. Bring your care and concern to me. You might be saying, but I do that. I've already done that. And Jesus is reminding you, do it again. Pray without ceasing. Come and keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep pressing forward. This is amazing grace. Hi there, friend. Glad to have you on board as we present Abounding Grace, a ministry of Calvary Church, Colorado. It features the Bible teaching of Pastor Ed Taylor, who today has an eye on 2 Kings 4. Maybe you like the widow we'll meet today. You're at rock bottom. You've experienced great loss, and it feels like there's no hope to get out of bed in the morning. We'll learn today that God will provide all you need. We just need to bring what we have to Him. Last time we were together, there was victory for Israel, even though their king, Jehoram, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So here you have a king that did evil in the sight of the Lord and yet experienced victory. Why? Well, all over the Bible, you and I read time and time again of the glorious grace of God. It's the same answer for Jehoram and the nation of Israel as it is for you and it is for me. It's God's grace in our lives. And as you look for God's grace on every page of the Bible, you'll see it. You'll experience it. That so many times we receive that which we don't deserve. Grace isn't just the, the doorway into relationship with God. It is the very bedrock of relationship with God. It is not what we have done, but all that God has done. We, we are not the initiator in our relationship with God. We are the responder. God reached out first in our rebellion. He extended love to us first. And so time and time again, you, you might even look at Jehoram and say, well, you know, you, you deserve this. And anytime you do that, you have to treat the Bible like a mirror and then ask yourself, well, what do you deserve? What do you deserve in your life and for your behavior and for your, you know, maybe you're here tonight and you're involved in something that nobody knows because it's one of those secret sins, and, and you're, at least so you think it's secret, and it's maybe a sin of the mind, or it's a sin that isn't so obvious, isn't so open, it isn't so, you know, somebody wouldn't be able to point it out in your life, but, but is, is not that sin that's secret and hidden just as significant before God as one that's open? It is. And so what do we need to do? We need to cast our lives upon God and beg for His mercy and receive receive what is already ours by faith in him. And there's grace all over, even in the Old Testament. The whole Bible is a book of grace. And we saw it again in our study last time. We pick up now in chapter 4, in verse 1, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. 
and you know that your servant feared the Lord. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, pour it out into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she, sent, and so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And so the oil ceased and she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your son shall live on the rest. Our focus uh, in this man of God is Elisha. Uh, he took the mantle, you remember, asking for a double portion from Elijah. And he comes into this certain woman. I love that. I, I love those little nuances in the scripture where it, verse 1 just opens up a certain woman. I mean, this is a specific woman. This is a, an important woman. Th this is, we don't have her name. Uh, but we have this certainty about her. This is a unique, specific appointment of God. And she's in a rough spot. She's a widow and in deep debt. Her husband has died. The creditors are coming to take her sons to repay the debt because one of the things that, they, that you was customary in that time was that you could pledge yourself or your kids as security for the loan. Uh, they don't let you do that today. I don't think it's a good idea. You pledge other things. You know, you might pledge your house or your car. And so that if you don't pay your debt, they'll come and take your house. So it's the kind of, that's the kind of issue. But this is them coming to take her and her sons. And if you couldn't repay, you'd have to work it off as a slave. And then they'd be caught up in a system that even though uh, at times they would have the, the, the year where they would release the slaves, um, most of the time you never got out of it. So she cries out to Elisha for help. And so he asked her, what do you have? And you notice her answer. And we feel like this sometimes. Sometimes it's even real. Your, your maidservant has nothing except a little bit of oil. I do have a little bit of oil. I have nothing, but I do have a little bit. Haven't you found that to be true in your life? Even in the most difficult time? I have nothing, but I do have a little. I have nothing, but then I do have that up here. I, I have nothing. I'm in a place of nothing. Now, it doesn't have to be just possessions and money. It could be, you know, how are you doing spiritually? You know, I have nothing, but I got this little th hope. You know, how are you doing in your marriage? You know, marriage isn't doing very well, but there is this memory or is this thought or this, this direction. And for her, it was practical. I don't have anything, but I have a little bit of oil, a small vessel, not much. And so he tells her to get all the vessels she can find, which she does, and a dramatic miracle takes place. As long as she poured the oil in empty vessels, the oil kept coming. As long as she poured the oil, the oil kept coming. When the vessels ran out, the oil ran out. I mean, it's miraculous. Now, we know that oil often in the Bible is a type and a picture of the Holy Spirit. So this becomes a reminder of the flow and the never-ending supply of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As long as we're open and empty, because the oil got poured into what? Empty vessels. Not full vessels, but empty vessels. Vessels that could receive from this never-ending supply. And you know, the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, you know, if we're open and ready, receptive to the Lord, he's ready to pour in. But if we're closed and resistant to the work of God, then you're not going to receive. 
the place of the Spirit. Which reminded me of the ministry of Jesus, remember, when he fed the thousands. How there was a never-ending supply of food that came through the miraculous hands of Jesus. They just had a few loaves and fish. That's all they had. And thousands of hungry. It was an impossibility. We read these, these true stories in the scriptures at times like they're Sunday school stories, like they're flannel boards, like, like the, the, the kids are receiving them. And it's, it's really exciting to receive them as a kid. And it's a great thought to think of the miraculous work of God. But it wasn't, it's not just a kid's story to root their hearts in faith. It is an adult story, a true story of God faithfully taking care of his people when you trust him, when you bring what you have to him. Where, where you speak of not what you don't have. You know, we have nothing, but I have this little bit of oil. But oftentimes in, in our challenge to the faith in our lives, we'll answer that question. You know, I have a little bit of oil, but you know, I really have nothing. And how you answer the question, how you approach it, will really speak to where your place of, where, where you are in faith, where you are in trusting God. You can answer it like her and says, I have nothing, but I do have a little. And it just leaves the door open for a work of God. I mean, you can only go so long with nothing. You can only go so long with the trial. You can only go so long with the difficulty before you begin to think, this is, this is just never going to end. I'm ruined. It's over. My hopes and dreams, they're just done. And, and there you are in the moment. And, and, it, and it ends with, you know, it ends with, I, I started, remember, it's, it's like, um, like we learned in the life of, of Naomi. I went out full, but I came back empty. And when she came back with that testimony, that was a testimony of a bitter, angry woman. Where she surveys the pain in her life, she looks back to say, oh, I had a lot, but now look at me now. But the, the, the vocabulary of faith is, yeah, it's a really hard time right now, and, and I'm really struggling, but God. But I, this is what I do have. There's a, a, an impossibility before me. I'm responsible, or I feel responsible to feed thousands of people, but all I have is a couple fish, and it wouldn't even feed me. What is that? Well, it depends on whose hands it is. That's what, it, that's what that is. It depends on whose hands it's in. in. In my hands, in your hands, it doesn't amount to much except that when they're bringing that and offering it to the Lord, which is exactly what happened, and those thousands were fed. Jesus says, give me what you have. L let me show you. Go, to go over to John chapter 6, would you? Just by way of, of review of this, we won't go into it in depth, but it's enough to be reminded of the faithfulness of Jesus. Give me what you have. That's the word of the Lord to some today. He's calling out to you and says, give me what you have. Give me what little obedience you have. Give me what little oil you have. Give me what little bread you have. Bring it to me. Bring your care and concern to me. You might be saying, but I do that. I've already done that. And Jesus is reminding you, do it again. Pray without ceasing. Come and keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep pressing forward. And, and so what happens? Notice chapter 6, verse 11. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. The disciples then to those sitting down, and likewise the fish. Notice, as much as they wanted. And so when they were, what does your Bible say in verse 12? Filled 
when they were filled, these were hungry, tired people in, in a place where the only food in the whole place was a few loaves and fish. The whole, the, the, the whole, can you imagine? You know, we have events from time to time. We'll have a, a women's dinner or we'll have a men's breakfast. Can you imagine having a men's breakfast with two pieces of bacon and one pancake? You know what you're going to have? A lot of angry men. There's not going to be a lot of faith. I, I mean, I've been around the men. I'm, I'm one myself. And I know. So I'm sorry, guys. A couple hundred guys come out for a men's breakfast. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, we, we have two pieces of bacon and one pancake. And I don't foresee a whole lot of guys saying, well, let's just pray and ask God to multiply it. There's always going to be a guy, well, I'll just go to Safeway. And so he'll go to Safeway. And there'll be a guy, probably a lot of guys that'll complain. Well, you did a breakfast and you only brought two pieces of bacon. And there's another guy. Who's eating the bacon in the kitchen? You know, there's going to be a lot of responses. But who's going to bring it to Jesus? Like in this room today, in our church, who's going to bring the problem to Jesus? Who's going to finally just break down and say, I know we don't have much. I don't have much. What do you have? I don't have much, but I do have this. Who's going to do that? That's a legitimate question. Who's going to do that listening in on the radio right now? What has complaining got you so far? Has it got you where you needed to go? Has complaining built up your faith in the situation you're in right now? What has whining done for you? Has whining made you any stronger in your relationship with God? Has it made you a greater witness for the things of God? Has whining helped your friends see the faithfulness of God? What has, has murmuring done in this situation? Has it made you a stronger witness? Has it made you uh, just dependent upon God more? And of course, the answer to all of that is no. It's distanced you from the faithfulness of God. It's caused you to doubt him more. It's caused you to turn to other alternatives to get you by, to get you through. Have you ever thought that God has allowed this situation into your life the way it is, and it hasn't ended yet, just for the sole purpose of of causing you to cry out to him constantly. I was reading recently in a, in a book that we're going to beginning uh, to, to go through as a staff, and, and I've been reading ahead. I've read it a few times already. And the author asks a really good question. And he said, what would have happened to the prodigal son in the middle of his trial if his dad would have gave him more money? Think about that. What would have happened at the pig thing was he's feeding the pigs. Dad found out what a bad situation it was and said, you know what, son? You just need a few more thousand dollars. Would he have come home sooner or later? Because what was it that caused him to desire to go home? The extent of the trial and the depth of the trial. God allows it. We're looking for the solution to get out and God's looking for us. Anybody want to amen that, or are you just so convicted? You're like, man, I'm so not very encouraging. Who's there? That's why I don't want to listen to him anymore. You, didn't you sing about inviting the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Scriptures? And yet what happens? When you bring it to Jesus, it's blessed, it's multiplied, it's distributed, and people are full. You're full with the provision of God. That's what happened with this widow. That's what happens to every true believer, God filling us with the provision that we need. 
that God would bless us, that he would break us, that he would distribute us throughout our community, that he would make us a dependent people, not a religious people, not, not a people of just Christianity in name, not, not a group of people dabbling in things religious, not a people that are Bible knowledge but make no difference in the community, not a people that, that elevate anything above their relationship with Jesus Christ, but rather a blessed and a broken and a distributed people, including Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I was so encouraged that as we were listening to the missionary update today, that God, for the very first time, spoke to a few in our, a couple in our fellowship that said, I'm feeling, I just feel something about missions. But, but I wonder how many more, when you come ready to receive, that God's ready to stir your heart for some step of faith. Maybe not missions, but that when you come into this company of believers and you gather together in a church service, in a building like this, that you come expectant for the Lord to speak and expectant for the Lord to fill. And then you, you tell them, get the vessels, find as many vessels, get the community involved. They know how desperate. They don't have anything either because, you know, they don't have anything. The, neighbor, the neighbors couldn't help her. How do we know that? Because they all gave her empty vessels. Where did all the empty vessels came, come from? All the other hurting people in the community. And yet, together, it's a powerful force. And I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that the Lord would want to use us by allowing our vessels to be empty in order to be filled to be empty in order to be filled. Or even to the point of the widow. Not many are at this place, but some can be. No vessels at all. It's a humbling thing to ask your neighbor for a vessel. To ask a friend for a vessel. It's a humbling thing that you're, you're obviously in a difficult situation. You know, you can think of all the excuses this widow could have come up with where, well, why, people know I'm a widow. Why don't they help me? And you can hear heaven say, why don't you ask? You cry out to Elisha. You ask your neighbors and your friends. You submit yourself to me. This is a, a time of maturity when your vessels are empty and the oil is low. It's a time of dependence. You know, there, there are some people that have known Jesus for 20 or 30 years and they're still living like babies. Still living not knowing how to feed themselves, how to come and submit themselves in the very basics of the things of the Lord. As we begin our new study in Hebrews very soon, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. It's stop and let's go on. Instead, the Bible says, and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Let's move forward. Let's stop talking about the basic stuff. And let's just admit that our vessels are empty. Let's admit that we don't have a lot of oil. And let's bring it to the Lord and let him do a work. Let's just finally come. And let's, say, let's stop circling around the, the little things in our lives that, that we are complaining and murmuring and whining about. And then just circling around, like circling the drain. The coming of the Lord is at hand. It's time. We need to learn how to study the Bible for yourself. We need to learn how to develop a prayer life, a real dedicated prayer life. 
Learn how to be consistent in serving in your church family. Learn how to be bold in stepping out in faith in your community. Learning how to watch the news with discernment spiritually, not attitude politically. Every news story is an opportunity to touch someone's life. A reminder of the tragedy of sin and the stupidity and idiocy of people that the farther that we are, the farther that anyone gets away from God, the more dumb we will be. And the more harm we'll bring to people's lives. And you think of watching the news and making it some political thing. Politics have been around almost since the beginning of time. What has that done for the world? Jesus came into the world and he changed lives instantly. God sent Elijah into this widow's house and within a few days, life changed. Not only did she have full vessels, but she had enough to sell and live. This was intended for her to live on. This was intended for her to live on. Jesus wants us to grow. He wants us to move forward. This also reminds me as we come back to 2 Kings, not only does it remind me of the possibilities that faith brings us in the hands of God, but secondly, this miracle reminds me, and this will be our only, our focus tonight. That's, I just felt sense to need to pause on this section just here and, and have God build our faith. So number one, it reminds me what God can do when we bring things to him. Number two, it reminds me of God's gracious supply. God's gracious supply. In the heart of God, he already knew what he was going to do in this widow's life. She didn't know it, but God already knew what he was going to do. He already knew how much oil he was going to give her. He already knew how many vessels would be supplied to her. He already knew. But can you imagine being that woman sitting there in desperation, in fear, and anxiety, knowing that in any moment she's going to lose her family to pay off a debt because there's no one to care for her? There's no one to take care of her. And, and the ones that would take care of her, they're going, to take, they're going to take away from her. And she's just sitting there, and she's just in a place of desperation. It's quiet desperation, but it's desperation nonetheless. And so what does she do? She cries out to Elisha. It's like the last thing that she does. You know my situation, and what does Elisha do? Well, what do you want me to do? What, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have? Verse 2, and she says, you know, I've got nothing but a jar of oil. So they go borrow some vessels. They weren't even hers. Borrow some vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. God wants to graciously supply you, not because we would think, some of you have a more timid uh, personality that if Elisha came to you and said, go gather some vessels, you would feel bad if you gathered more than one or two. It would just, you'd just feel bad. As you assess your situation, you think uh, one or two would be enough. And then you don't want to ask any more because it's already embarrassing and, you know, you wish you had more vessels and you really understand that it's more gracious to give than to receive, but that's become a prideful thing for you because you love to give, but you don't receive. And so you would just say, I'll just get a couple. But he says, don't get a, just get a lot because God is ready to do a work. So go get those vessels from your neighbors. Don't get a few, get a lot. And can't you hear the Lord speaking to you? I want to do a greater work in your life than what you're experiencing right now. I don't want you to just get a couple vessels. Don't just get a couple cups. Get as many as you can. Maybe that's just what you needed to hear today. What a good reminder of God's gracious supply and what He can do when we bring things to Him. Thank you for listening today to Abounding Grace. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, has been in 2 Kings. 
You can hear this study anytime you'd like online at calvaryaurora.org. Hey, do you have a stubborn habit you'd like to break free of here in the new year? Maybe it's filthy language or an improper thought life. We'd like to suggest a great book by Erwin Lutzer that can help. It's called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. You'll learn how to apply God's Word and overcome whatever is plaguing your life. We'll send it to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord here in 2019. We rely completely on God to make all this happen, and we look to our listeners to help us cover the increasing costs of being on the radio. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you prefer to write to Abounding Grace, jot down this address, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Well, there's much more to come in 2 Kings. Don't miss a moment of the journey right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 